0: Hey soccer fans and S.O. peeps, welcome back to Sons of the Pitch Soccer Central. I am Nick here with our founder, our owner, our guy Mike G. To recap all of the MLS action from the weekend from August 19th to August 21st. Now, Mike, I got to tell you, brother, I'm, I'm dragging a little bit. It was a typical Monday at work. Lots to do. So I'm hoping you can bring some energy tonight, brother.
1: I'm hoping so, man. It's been it's been a pretty rough day for myself as well. But you know what? None of that matters right now because I've got about 20, 25 minutes before I got a jet out of here to go pick up another kid. And uh, we're going to make the best of it.
0: Just living that family life on top of that SOP life. I love man. to hear it. Well, for everyone listening and watching on YouTube, in the first half, we're going to recap all the games like we do, try and cover a couple headlines that are out there. In the second half, we continue our team profiles and i thought this was uh, as good a week as any to profile playoff hopeful san jose earthquakes yeah maybe playoff hopeful is just a a little too strong maybe like (laughs) respectful hopeful (laughs) is is really what san jose is going for but we're going to look at them and kind of see their strengths and weaknesses uh in the second half of the show and if we got any stoppage time available we're going to take some questions from our live viewers but maybe mike maybe this intro music will get me a little pumped up here. So let's kick it off. Well, Mike, the music feels good and it's already gotten the people inspired in the chat. We already have... Hani Mukhtar Edits, Red Bull Insider, Dan Gerringer, Talk NYCFC, Jay Jardim, and Connor No Soccer. We already have a lively chat going on. So hello and thanks to everyone else who has joined us, who will be leaving comments, uh, who is listening on the podcast side of things as well. So if you're, if you're following along on the podcast, make sure you find us on YouTube. Like the video, subscribe to the channel, uh, join in the live chats on Monday nights, and if you are listening on YouTube, then join the podcast. Take us wherever you go and wherever you listen to your podcast and rate and review. So with that, we have a lot of games to cover because the results go back till about a week ago, Mike from a Monday, a Tuesday night kickoff and, and a prime time game, if it's a Tuesday night game can be called that with LAFC hosting DC United in a one nothing victory, LaFC comes away. Did you bet the over on this one, Mike? Did you bet the
1: high goal scoring? Uh, Not only did I bet the over, but I bet the over four and a half goals, thinking that LAFC was going to lay a touchdown down on a horrible DC United side. But a Tuesday night when we're going to do load management. And uh, apparently they had the attitude of uh, the same attitude I had, figuring they were going to whoop their ass, but they didn't.
0: Yeah. uh, Bale. And Chiellini did not play in this game. They were even rotated to a large part in their next game from over the weekend. So, like I say in the betting videos, like you, as much as LAFC is a favorite, got to look at those starting lineups, definitely. Um, let's continue running down our schedule with Atlanta defeating the New York, or I'm sorry, Atlanta falling to the New York Red Bulls in some midweek action. Red Bulls get the 2-1 victory uh, on that one. We had New England drawing TFC 2-2 in Toronto. Uh, Also, New York City falls to Charlotte at home 3-1. Charlotte trying to keep those playoff hopes alive. Philly goes on the road and loses to Dallas in a cross-conference game. I got to imagine Philly had some rotation in that squad as well. And then Vancouver, big home win 2-1 over the Colorado Rapids. Those were the Wednesday, August 17th games uh, from a, about half a week ago. And Mike, I think I know the answer to this question, but, but what game out of that group stood out to you? And what would you like to comment on those?
1: <laughs> well, for one, uh, Charlotte over New York City, three to one uh, was interesting because Charlotte has been down in the dumps for a while. And uh, to pull out a victory like that, uh, it's pretty impressive. I didn't see it coming. I don't think many people saw it coming at all. Uh, the only saving grace there was that they did play New York City at Red Bull Arena, and we all know that when New York City plays at Red Bull Arena, it's pretty much like worse than away than an away game. It's not even like a home game. It's not. It's just bad. I mean, and and there you go. It, their results are bad at Red Bull Arena, and they should not be playing there. Yeah, yeah. Talk NYCFC. There you go. We got to <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> well, it's either that or it's about the week that saw TFC uh and there and I can just go ahead and eat my words. Uh I will just go and own my mistake of being uh you know of being such a homer that uh was all over TFC you're gonna make the playoffs and whatnot. Yeah that, that came to an end this week. It's fine. I'll eat it. I'll I always say I will admit when I'm wrong and I was wrong. Uh, but overall with that uh th- those are the two that really stand out to me the most. Uh, but also the, uh, the fact that the Red Bulls go to Atlanta and win Atlanta is a mess. And even at the point where they're not winning at the Benz and you know, there's something really wrong with Atlanta when they've got a bad home record. No doubt about it. And I think, uh, I said it in the last, last week's
0: show that Atlanta is playing like they have a chance to make the playoffs or at least playing to, to earn respect, uh, But I think they have no chance to make the playoffs and they're just going to be spoiler to probably one or two teams in the Eastern Conference because there is such that middle of the table logjam. Atlanta isn't going to leap over four or five other teams to make the playoffs, but they're definitely going to drag some teams down as we see uh, that draw that they get over the weekend is just points missed for their opponents. And yeah, like I as a Chicago fan, like seeing Chicago get drubbed in the bends and then have to draw them at home in Chicago, like those are lost points for teams that are desperate to to bump up over over that playoff line. So to me, Atlanta is is gonna be playing spoiler. I mean, they've been the villain for a handful of teams since they've joined the league, but I think they're gonna be the villain for a lot more teams by the end of this season. Uh Mike, are you taking anything away from New England? grabbing two at Toronto. To me, this was a bit of a fluke for the Revs. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about them in their in their next match as well.
1: Yeah, I mean uh the Revs the Revs the grind. I mean that that's that's Bruce Arena. They they grind results. Um uh, they played a very very strong game in that game. And Toronto FC, you could just see the the lack of depth is the problem there. One well number one is the fact that they don't have a number nine. Jesus Jimenez Started out the season great um, and then hit a wall. And that was a case of strictly a lot of uh, not a lot of film out there on the Polish league and where, you know, the team that he was playing for before. Not a not a ton of stuff to watch on the guy. Well, now, after about 10, 12 weeks in MLS, they saw what they were working with and learned how to shut him down. Uh, Io Akinola has been a shell of his former self. And uh, TFC, these guys are just getting tired. They have no depth at all. And, uh you know you've got uh you've got a team like uh you know Bernadeschi, and C and these are all guys that did not have any any type of offseason they went straight from you know they've been playing for a year and then went to uh you know went straight into another regular season so you know look I, I see talk NYCFC there DSO LOL Toronto fans act like this season doesn't matter after hyping this team up so much yes we are acting that way because we know that we rebuilt our entire team in one season. And not just a regular rebuild. I mean, the entire squad. There's only like five games, uh, you know, that are, uh, <laughs> there's only five guys that are still on that roster from last season. So, look, it, we're, we're going to downplay it as much as possible because that's what we do. You make excuses when you lose. But, uh, yeah, you're, you're right, DSO, you're right.
0: Yeah. A couple other quick comments. I love Bernardo Labrada's comment here. He goes, is it decision month? Yeah, it yes. feels like it, right? There's no decision day teams are teams need to play well for the next month. If they got a shot to make the playoffs. And of course, Jay's comment here, we're going to run out. uh, We're going to run our starting 11 into the ground talking about TFC. Absolutely there. The one thing that jumped out to me in this kind of Wednesday midweek, Mike was Vancouver getting the win against a, a decent Colorado team. And it looked, I I've been waiting for Vancouver to kind of make some noise and maybe make a, a mini jump up the table, but then they go and, and you know, blow blow their next game. Um, so that, that kind of surprised me that they would have two drastically different results in such a short span, but MLS is going to MLS. Uh, as we continue down our table, uh, we had Seattle traveling to the LA Galaxy, and it's a 3-3 game. And the, the league, this is what they wanted, right? Two marquee teams, a huge Friday night matchup, high scoring, 3-3 draw. But for me, Mike, these are two teams that are both trying to turn the corner on their season at the same time and trying to do it through offense. Uh, L.A. bringing in uh, Ricky Push. Uh, Seattle trying to regain their old form, get Rui Diaz healthy and back on the pitch. And they, they did it through offense, but neither of them have been able to address their defensive woes yet in these types of games. So as much fun as it was to see six goals, it really doesn't do much for either team for one point, especially Seattle, who is on pace to miss the playoffs for the first time since joining major league soccer. So you got any takeaways from, from this kind of game, or
1: should we keep it rolling? Uh, I got one quick takeaway on this one. Seattle, everybody's, the only reason why this is, it's just a conversation piece. Oh, Seattle might miss the playoffs. Probably not. They're probably still going to make the playoffs. They're one point out, all right? And they've got Vancouver ahead of them by one point, all right? And Vancouver, to touch back on that uh, Vancouver and Colorado game, Vancouver's a decent home team, horrid away team. Same thing with Colorado. Colorado has one win on the road all season. So when you go play on the turf against Vancouver as a decent home team, you're not going to do so hot. But uh you're right. It's uh, overall LA Seattle from what I'm seeing out of those two sides is uh, decent decent teams might make the playoffs, might win a game or two in the playoffs and that's about it. Neither one of them do I say that's an MLS Cup contender. If I had to lean one towards the other, I would say Seattle just because of the experience that they have in doing so so many times in
0: the past. But that's it.
1: Yeah. And our friend
0: Bernardo Labrada, our LA Galaxy fan here, wants President Chris Klein out what it would change things. We don't know, but he wants to try something different. So I I'm sure that's the same voice that a lot of LA galaxy fans have. They need some organizational change, not just coaching and player changes at this point, the way I look at it in MLS and, and for most professional sports, if you're struggling, you, you change the players. If you keep struggling, you change the coach or some of the staff. And then if you still are doing that, like year three or four, Then you got to start really looking at management, ownership, all that sort of thing, player development, academy level type stuff, development, what's going on there. So, LA Galaxy might be approaching that point. We'll see how they do when it comes postseason. But as we move into the weekend games now, we got a lot of crazy results here, Mike. This was, as I dubbed it in the beginning of the video, like, does any team want to make the playoffs? Like, some of these teams had two games, these could have been six point weeks for them. And then, if you want to factor in, taking away points from conference opponents. This was a huge week for a handful of teams, and nobody decided to take advantage of it. So Red Bulls and Cincinnati draw 1-1, to which, okay, fine. Given both of their places in the Eastern Conference table, maybe it's not the worst result. Uh, so I'll, I'll leave this one. This will be my exception to nobody wanting to take over the, the table. But there is some news coming out of FC Cincinnati. Uh, first, they signed goalkeeper Evan Luro from the Tampa Bay Rowdies, to kind of back up Roman Silentano, by the way, Roman Silentano, Naperville guy, local guy, happy to see that. Uh, but they signed Brandon Vasquez to a deal through 2025 with a club option for 2026. He's already gotten some interest rumored uh, from Chivas and from Leeds go figure, uh, which is a huge gain for a team that only spent 150 in allocation money to get him from Atlanta. So, Mike, what, what's your take on Brandon Vasquez? I know we haven't talked a lot of USMNT uh, players. We haven't talked a lot about FC Cincinnati striker and what he's done for this team this season. What's your take on Vasquez? And do you think that they're going to flip him before that 2025 season?
1: I don't know. Vasquez, I mean, let's let them string it together next year, too. And then we'll talk about 2025. Uh, Brandon Vasquez, is uh, he's, he's he obviously has talent. He's been highly touted from his days with Atlanta um, never amounted to anything. Didn't quite have the playing time because they had guys like Joseph Martinez in front of them, Miguel Almiron or who down the list. Right. Um, I'm with Connor here. You know, I think he's, he's a bit overhyped. Um, it's been a quick run. I mean, yeah, he's having a good season, but Mm, do uh, the the talk that i'm hearing out of usmnt people are you know especially in usmnt twitter is oh he's going to be the answer to our prayers like hey we need to start him we need to get him into camp and he's our starting number nine going to the world cup hell to the no now can he maybe make the roster yeah sure if he's in really good form since he makes a deep run into the playoffs and you know he he's lighting it up in the playoffs yeah give him a shot throw him on the roster. Bring him in in the 60th, 70th minute. Is he at the talent level of a PFAC or a uh, even a Sargent or uh, Ferreira or Ricardo Pepe? Probably not. Uh, better form? Absolutely. So I say give him a shot into camp. See what he can bring. See if maybe he molds into Burhalter's system and just hits it off. Then we'll talk about it. But everybody thinking that this guy is going to be unbelievable – for the future, it, 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 slow your roll. Let, let, let's, let's see some consistency here.
0: Yeah. It's, it's the same people who said Josh Sargent was going to be the answer to he's right. terrible to Josh Sargent's the answer. Again, it's, it's that same kind of chatter. The only thing that it confirms for me is we don't have a, a really, really good or a really, really consistent striker in the men's national team pool. But that, but along those lines, why not Brandon Vasquez? So I'm with you, like bring him to camp. Maybe he's not the starting striker for the men's national team, but bring him to camp. He he could be a game changer off the bench, or you know, if if we're already up to nothing on Wales early, yeah, throw him in. Save those legs for whoever your starter is for the England game, right? Maybe if it's a throwaway game against Iran in the third game, start Vasquez, right? Save some legs. But uh, yeah, nobody's really earned that spot, but he's definitely earned a call-up. I want to quickly... Shout out to Brother BKL for jumping in on the chat. Great to have you with us, as well as Mia Mendez. Thank you for for joining us all the way from Portugal. Great to see you in the chat, as always. Um, As we continue to roll down the results, we had Philadelphia traveling to D.C. Not a far road trip, but technically an away game. And they hang six goals to none on D.C. United. And I think this pretty much sums up the season for both of these teams. Philly's really good, and they show it. DC is not, and, and they show it in these kind of games. Uh, speaking really quickly on DC, I'm a big fan of Taxi Fountas. You guys know my Greek heritage and you know my affinity for mentioning Greek players as much as I can on the USL, or uh, in the MLS as well as USL, if I know it. Um, I'm wondering if playing him as a winger is a good choice. Uh, the last couple of games, they've played a 4-3-3. I think he was doing a lot better either as a lone striker or maybe as, as a type of thing that I thought Rooney was going to come in and play, Um, it's hard to see him not scoring goals. And I know he's he's frustrated. So something to keep an eye on with Rooney is how he's going to use uh, a DP striker who is already in double digits this season, but hasn't scored uh, I think in three weeks, four weeks or something like that. Uh, As we continue down, we've got Montreal just rolling the revs for nothing. And as we mentioned in, in the comments, thank you all. Jordi Mihailovic wasn't playing in this game, and they still get four. Uh, Kyoto gets two. Milje- Miljevic gets the fourth one in stoppage time. But the story out of here is Kai Kamara, with his goal in this game, moves up to third on the MLS all time scoring list behind Landon Donovan in second and Chris Wondolowski in first. Uh, I think he's about 10 off of Donovan, so he could move into that second spot. I doubt he catches Wando. I think he's about 30 behind him. But Mike, you've watched a lot of MLS in your day. You've seen a lot of Kai Kamara all over the place, man. What What is your take on Kai Kamara? Where does he fit in like the pantheon of all-time MLS greats?
1: He's in the discussion um, of all-time MLS strikers uh, and goal scorers, but like all of those guys on that list, none of them are big names outside of maybe Keen, uh from, from the galaxy. Um, but Landon Donovan, you know, but like, I mean, dude, come on, look at the names on those lists. Wondolowski, uh, Jeff Cunningham, like th- these old school players. Kai Kamara has spent, I don't even know how many years in the league. And that's, the fact, I mean, how many teams uh, is does that 16th man here? Year, 16 years in the league. 15. Okay. So I think he's played for at least six or seven clubs, if not more probably, uh, you know, it, he scores goals. He gets goals. He had two or three very good seasons where he was up at the leaderboard for the, uh, the golden boot, but it's that length of and consistency. The fact that the guy was a squad player and he's bagging six or seven goals for Colorado you know, in a, in a season, that is why he is where he is. He's in that discussion. Is he the best striker, best goal scorer? No, not even close. Um, You know, but he's in that talk with the rest of those guys. Um, I want to touch on, I want to touch on Philadelphia because this is a team who has been at the top of the Eastern conference all year. And I can't wrap my head around that. So let's finish up our talk (laughs) about Kamara. And then I want to talk a little bit about Philadelphia Uh, Because I need some edumacation here because Philadelphia on paper sucks.
0: Well, well, to finish up, yeah, to finish up Kamara, his first season in the league was back in 2006
1: 2006.
0: with the crew. That's before I
1: started watching MLS. I started watching MLS in 2007.
0: That's before a lot of people did anything (laughs) with MLS. That's for sure. Uh, But he started with the crew in 06, Kansas City and Houston, in 08 went back to kansas city in 09 spent a long part of his career there went back to the crew in 2014 new england and columbus in 2016 new england in 2017 vancouver 2018 colorado 2019 the loons of minnesota and the colorado rapids in 2020 and now with montreal in 2022 so he's been eastern conference western conference like original team expansion club I mean, there's something to be said from consistency, but if if we sort his stats here uh, by goals, his best goal scoring season was back in 2015, where he had 22 goals and eight assists in the 2015 season for the Crew. Didn't even win MVP that year. Uh, he's had one, two, three, four, five, six total double digit goal scoring seasons as well. His worst, you know, couple years were early on and probably some injury seasons uh, as well. So I'm with you. I don't know if I'd put him as one of the all time MLS greats because you look at guys like a Donovan or like a Cunningham, or like you said, keen or some of those early players who just transformed the league. But man, if, if you just need to bring a guy in to help, you know, fill out the back end of your roster at this point in time, yeah, go for it. Go for it. So Mike, you wanted to talk about, um, philly here like let me know what you want to talk about what do you think
1: <laughs> well i just i want to talk i want to look at the roster i mean and, and talk about this team as a serious threat to win an mls cup because this is i mean they've been top of the east all year they're putting up six spots seven spots against the shitty teams which is what you're supposed to do um where i mean carranza julian carranza and and yure up top those are not big time players all right you're I don't know what his career was like in uh, in Europe, wherever he was at. But came from couldn't do a damn thing for Miami. But he's got talent. Gazdag, okay, decent talent from Europe. Bedoya, trash. Mm-hmm. He's old. He's done. He's way past his prime. McGlynn, okay. youngster, but a homegrown kid. Nothing, you know, I'm not like thinking this kid's going to be, you know, the next superstar here. Jose Martinez, good CDM, very good CDM. Kai yeah, Wagner, definitely. one of the best, you know, one of the best wingbacks in the league. Um, and how long he'll be here, we don't know. Ellie this Embaizo, Andre Blake. The only thing I can see here is consistency in the fact that they've been together for a long time. The core of this squad has been together for a, you know probably five years or so, um, which and under the same coach, you know, that kind of makes sense. I just can't take Philadelphia seriously. If you put Philadelphia up against a team like, I don't know, LAFC, are they going to win? No. If you put a team like that, you know, put them up against a team like Seattle, Portland, I'm not going, that's a guarantee. That's a win. No way. That's a guarantee. You know, I just, any game when I'm betting, when I'm looking at my betting picks, even though I did pick them to beat DC, very rarely does it happen Then I'm like, yes, Philadelphia's got the win. I'm like, oh, maybe a draw. They're just not that good of a team. Why is Philadelphia winning so much? Why are they a good team?
0: So I I pulled up here their lineup against D.C., their latest matchup, right? And like you said, you've got Carranza up front with Ura. And you're right. None of these names jump off of the page at you. I mean, Andre Blake is probably like the – the biggest name, especially for his position here. Uh, Jamaica's starting goalkeeper, one of the best in MLS over the last several seasons. So if you want to talk about why they're so good, start in the back, right? Start with their goalkeeper. Start with Andre Blake. You've got Jacob Glessness and Elliott here playing as your center backs, right? Those guys are solid, solid center backs, smart guys, not a lot of mistakes. Maybe they are not, you know, bone crushing tacklers or, Guys who are going to go up and, and knock a few in off of set pieces or really push forward, like we've seen Walker Zimmerman do, like we've seen Rafa Chijos do on occasion for the Chicago Fire. Uh, but solid, solid guys. And last weekend, I profiled the Philadelphia Union. So if you want to know more about the Union, go back and watch the last video I did. And you'll see that the Union's center backs and their defensive midfielders are very, very good at intercepting passes, reading the game. uh, I I think they rank in the top 10 maybe or top 20 uh, of intercepted passes in the league. So Philly starts in the back with those players forming kind of of that central part of their, their defense there. But as you move forward, I mean, Bedoya, I get, man, he's 35. That's not as old as it used to be, Mike, but, you know, I'm definitely feeling my age and I'm a few years past 35, so I don't know how is doing it or how, like, Johnny Bornstein's doing it here in Chicago, man. But but the fact is he can, still, he can still run it out there, and his leadership is what I think he's more so on the field for rather than any sort of his spectacular play. So we've got the solid defense. We've got a leader and a captain in Badoya, and then you've got goal scorers. Maybe they're not highlight reels. Maybe they are not you know, bangers from 30 yards out or fancy bicycle kicks, but Philly moves the ball up the field. They know how to play in possession. So they're creating high expected goals for their, for their strikers. They're putting them in good spots. You put all that together against an Eastern conference who just can't figure out who wants to make the playoffs this season. That's how you end up beating bad teams, six and seven, nothing and beating the good teams by two or three goals. uh, Like they did against, I'm not going to call them a good team, but they beat a, 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 Informed team Chicago last week, four to one, and and they're rolling here, Mike. Uh the only competition I see with Philly in the Eastern Conference right now are your top few teams, right? New York City can break them down in possession, maybe. Red Bulls can outpress press them into turnovers. But if they can get by those kind of systemic opponents, what's not to say they can't beat LAFC? I mean, what's that would be the matchup I would want to see at this point, LAFC Philly best team in the East versus the best team in the West. And let's, let's get it in the MLS cup final. So th- there's your nutshell Philadelphia union. Um, But you're right, man, no names jump off the bench. Oh, by the yep. way, youth and uh, a solid system uh, yeah. has been the recipe for their success, right? You have young players who come up through their system who are ready to play for Philadelphia's Jim Curtin because they've been trained in what he wants to do for like three or four years, you know, so they're ready. They understand their role and that definitely helps them with their depth. So they've got depth, they've got a solid defense and they've got goal, you know, some good goal scorers up front. There you go, man. <laughs> that's everything I can right. say. Yeah. About I mean, it just scares
1: the hell out of me that they, that they get knocked out of the playoffs early. That That's, I mean, that's been their MO. And, uh, you know, I, in the East, luckily, I mean, y- you're right. In the East, it's so jumbled in the East. I mean, we don't know who's going to finish in the top in the top seven. I can pretty much tell you now that TFC, Chicago, Atlanta are not going to make the playoffs. Uh, but Charlotte, Cincy, New England, Columbus, Miami, Orlando, on any given night, I feel like one of those teams could beat Philly in Philly. Um, but... I think the East really comes down to one of the three top teams, either Philly, Montreal, or New York City, uh, just based on the amount of talent that those teams have. I don't see an Orlando making a run. I don't see a Red Bulls making a run. Um, and Miami, everybody's really overhyped about Miami right now because they shut down TFC, uh, which they did play extremely well, and that defense was was fantastic. Uh, but Miami's not a playoff team. They're not. They don't have the they don't have the caliber of players for that. Um, that that's a new team since Pozuelo got in. And if Pozuelo is going to sure. take your team to the next level, you saw how well that worked for TFC, right? So I, <laughs> I, I digress. Let's finish off these results.
0: Yeah. I'd say Miami has a little bit better of a, of a defense than Toronto does, but you're yes. right. Um, flipping over to the Western conference results since, since you covered that Miami TFC game very nicely, Mike, uh, Minnesota hosted Austin. Again, this is one of those games where I'm like, yeah, bet the over. Nope, Minnesota wins 2-1 to one at home. The Loons are for real, Mike. Are, do we need to talk about them in that same kind of affiliate Is this a team that could go to an MLS Cup, or is it just too much for them to beat Austin and LAFC and, and the like in the West?
1: String it together. Again, I can't take anyone seriously until you prove to me over a longer stretch than what I've seen out of these clubs. I mean, Minnesota, yeah, they've had a great four or five-game run. Yes, yeah, so did TFC. Look at them now. All right, two or three bad results for Minnesota, and they're right back in the doldrums and out of it. So, all right.
0: We'll see how they finish teams. the season. That's fair. Um, I want to quickly run through these last couple of results. Colorado draws Houston 1-1 at home. Solid result for Houston. I was writing in the pre-show notes like, hey, maybe this is kind of a turning point for Houston to kind of build, build some decent results and maybe get some culture going for the future. Uh, but Houston's next three games are – at Minnesota against the LAFC and at Seattle. So I don't think Houston's going to use this as a jumping off point for anything. Vancouver ends up going to Salt Lake and drawing 1-1. San Jose with a surprise result of the weekend. Defeating LAFC in San Jose. Kyle with a banger of a goal. Tommy Thompson playing really well. Uh, we're going to talk about San Jose in the second half of this show. Uh, and then Sunday. Chicago falls at home to New York city. The crew draw Atlanta two to two Orlando travel up to Charlotte and come away with two one win. That surprised me. I didn't think Orlando had you know, their offense is struggling. I didn't think they had two goals in them, let alone to go to Charlotte who comes who's coming off of a decent result. Uh, then Kansas city again, four, one victors over Portland. I don't know where Kansas city is finding goals all of a sudden. Uh, and Portland doesn't want to go to the playoffs. If they're going to lose to Kansas city, then Nashville stomps Dallas for nothing in Nashville. Mike, what stands out to you on these Sunday games? Is it going to shape the playoffs? Like, what do you
1: think here? Uh, for me, what stands out is the two, one victory for Orlando over Charlotte. Charlotte was hot. They're in good form. Uh, Orlando then just shows up and beats them two to one. Uh, a shocking result same thing with kansas city over portland did i did i have this as a guaranteed portland win absolutely not um did i see the draw happening maybe uh kansas city may be at home but four one it was convincing uh impressive result there from kansas city maybe a little bit too too little too late for them but uh a, a great result and then nashville uh, this is Nashville is a very good team that went through a rough stretch. I mean, everybody is so, and, and Hani Mukhtar edits, you know, and some other Tennessee, you know, natives and fans, they like, uh, I got to get a big shout out here to, uh, to ghetto crypto. Their first time catching a live from Tennessee. Welcome ghetto crypto. Smash that like button, smash that subscribe button. You're going to love the content here on sons of a pitch soccer central. And, uh, Nashville's a very good team they have a very strong defense Gary Smith is a very good coach even though everybody's been on his ass lately Uh, and a result like this 4-0 over Dallas that's what they can do this team can score goals they are very one-dimensional if they do open that up a little bit with Schaffelberg on the wing uh, that's going to help a lot that speed but Nashville, I don't know, man. I got a soft spot in my heart for them. I picked them to go to MLS Cup final this year. I mean, we don't want to talk about my prediction of Nashville and Toronto FC, but uh, (laughs) uh, can I just say that? Uh, But anyways, Nashville's a good squad. Some surprising results on the Sunday. But the fire in New York City, man, come on, fire. What the hell's going on?
0: I guess we got to go to a game then, Mike. That's what we'll have to do. I guess so. We'll just have to get out there. (laughs) Let them know how we feel. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, so, I'm with you. That Nashville, like, we know how good Nashville is. You want to talk about a good team on paper versus a, a bad team on paper with Philly, right? We know how good Nashville is on paper. Uh, I think they're finally starting to work in Schaffelberg and Shaq Moore now uh, and let them kind of flow with, with the regular players. But I'm shocked Dallas couldn't get one, considering how their offense is. To me, Dallas is the team who's going to, like, maybe the first top team out in the playoffs, man, if they lose that first game because they can't score more than one goal in in a playoff game. But, um, with that, that is our weekly recap, Mike, you got any, any final thoughts before we get into our halftime break?
1: Final thoughts is just, just buckle your seatbelts y'all. It's, it's going to be a fun finish. It's, it's going to be a fun end of the season. Um, there are a lot of teams in contention contention for these playoff spots and, uh, the playoffs are going to be a lot of fun too, because, yeah, everybody's kind of on that LAFC train, the the hype train for them, but which is fair. It's a wide open out there, man. I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised to see a you know an MLS Cup final of like I don't know, like a no, I was gonna say New York Red Bulls, but that'll never happen. Um, maybe like a you know an Orlando against a Dallas, right? I mean, this is something that could happen. Um, will it happen? Probably not, but that that's that's my final thoughts on this one it's been fun nick Take, good luck with the uh the second half of the show man i gotta jet and go pick up a kid like 28 30 minutes away from here ridiculous three nights a week it's driving it's parenting crazy. man but uh it's been a lot fun. we'll CFC, be on man. hopefully for another live at some point uh, you know next week or the week after i have no idea whenever it fits into the schedule and uh you know it probably won't even be a tfc game because now they suck and they're not in really <laughs> the playoffs. so anyways <laughs> with that guys have a great night we'll see you guys soon Awesome. Thanks, brother. Glad you could jump on and join
0: us for the weekly recap. So, first of all, I want to say hey to GPV10 for jumping in on the chat. Great to have you with us. Uh, We are going to take our brief halftime break so you guys can go get a refill, grab a snack, hit the head if you need to, relieve yourself if you may. Um, Grab a skira, Icelandic spring water, quench those vocal cords, quench your thirst. Um, But if you are on the podcast side of things, stay tuned. You're going to hear the Chicago Fire breakdown from a good friend of ours, longtime supporter of the show, John Donovan. He's covering all things fire for us here on SOP Soccer Central. Uh, And if you are on the podcast side of things, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button, turn on those notifications uh, as Mike said, so you can join some of our live watch alongs uh, that Mike is going to be doing as we get into Uh, towards the end of the season here for everyone on the YouTube channel. We're going to be back in just about a minute. So thank you all for staying with us. We're going to do our San Jose earthquakes profile, and then we'll let you know my prediction for them for the end of the season right after this.
1: This MLS weekly recap is sponsored by Skira, Icelandic spring water available at your local 7-Eleven. Icelandic for clear, Skira water comes from a spring in a nature preserve in Iceland with naturally low mineral content. This isn't your average water. Clearly, yes, pun intended, it's one of the best. Get some Skira today at your local 7-Eleven. And now it's time for our weekly Chicago Fire update brought to you by John Donovan. Take it away, John.
2: Nick. John Donovan here covering the Chicago Fire and the MLS. Nick, I wish I had good news. After that Philly game, I was looking for anything good. I read about the game this morning. The uh, New York City football club was only starting three guys that played for them in that playoff last year in Portland. So a lot of guys hurt. Uh, Tata's over over in Spain playing for a uh, one of their sister clubs, I thought this might be a chance for the fire, but it just was not in the cards. Um, the only change in the starting lineup was they moved Pineda up to midfield uh, because of Jimenez being hurt with that torn uh, hamstring. They put Tehran back in, which I've had one of those t- those hamstring injuries, and it takes a lot longer than three weeks to heal. I mean, it's all flat uh, All our bodies are made the same, and I've never seen a hamstring guy or a hurt soccer player come back in three weeks and play on a professional level. But that's what Terran did, and ultimately, he played poorly. He got re-injured, got a yellow card, just did not – was playing like the old Carlos Terran, which um, was not pretty to see. So the beginning of the game, um, about 16 minutes into the game – Shakira, who was not too much into this game, let his guy go on his defensive positioning. The guy ran right to the top of the penalty area and smoked one into the upper corner of the goal. I mean, Shakira just turned around, walked back to the center, didn't take title to that to that uh, shot. Um, beautiful shot, but it should not have happened if the guy was on his game um so, you know the the game went on it uh it was pretty even till the halftime but then the beginning of the second half um what happened within the first minute chisel shiznos can never say that name right um got the ball right in front of the goal and literally the uh new york city team came down put some pressure on him and he's our star back there he literally tripped over the ball and uh New York City scored it. They they were trying to get um, AR to look at it, but it was clearly a goal. There was nothing in that play. I mean, honestly, I thought the referee called a pretty good game. And from that point on, if we'll all remember back as the team lost game after game from uh, undisciplined play, that's who the fire were tonight, guys. It It just seems like this team with this coach cannot control themselves on the field. Miguel Navarro was all over the place, got himself another yellow card. At one point he picked up the ball and slammed it on the ground. I mean, it it just makes no sense. These are professional players that are making an average of $800,000 to play uh, professional soccer. And here in Chicago, we've gone 14 years with one uh, playoff uh, appearance, and we still cannot get this this team together. I, uh, if I was the owner, I would be making some major changes here. There, it this team at this point is is really uh, not playing at the level. They're playing at that level of that Omaha team that they played. So, I don't know, Nick. I'm really upset with this with the way the season's going. I mean they play New England and Montreal and um you know it it's coming down to the point where they can't make the playoffs. I mean mathematically they can still get in there, but if they play like they did today, I mean they just had nothing going for them and when they when they did they would pass it the wrong the wrong way or it was just a game out of control. So they've got uh, Montreal coming up and then New England and both of those teams. New England is below the playoff level. So you know they're going to be, uh, Bruce Arena is going to come out there smoking. And, um, you know, Montreal is playing very well, very well, even without uh, uh, Mahalovic out there. So uh, it's it's going to be a tough season. I wish there was more control. On the field, it just seems like a team out of control. But that's about it, Nick. This is a short one today because they're really well. Oh, you know, Tony Mayola said in the in the uh, during the game, he said, "You know, this is the first game he's seen Chris Mueller not stand out. I mean, Chris Mueller even uh, didn't have his game going for him. So we, ah, uh, this was a tough game. Take care, Nick. I will talk to y'all next week."
1: Thanks for that Chicago Fire update, John. We'll talk to you next week.
0: All right, SO peeps and soccer fans, we are back. I want to say thank you, as always, to Skira Icelandic Spring Water, who's been sponsoring Sons of a Pitch for the last several years, at least going four years back now. And thank you to John Donovan as well, one of just the longest supporters that we've had on the show Always great to hear from him, especially Chicago Fire Recaps, the passion that he brings to it. Thank you, John. Thank you to Skira Icelandic Spring Water, available at your local 7-Eleven. And uh, if anyone from Skira is listening, uh, my wife's planning a, a little anniversary trip for us in the near future to Iceland. So if there's any way we go to tour of the bottling plant, let me know. If you need me to check in on things, we can go take care of that for you. But now let's take a quick look at the standings and see where all these teams are shaking out that we've just been talking about. In the East, Philadelphia is on top with 51 points. Then Montreal, New York City, and New York Red Bull round out the top four. We have Orlando, Miami, and Columbus that hold down those last three playoff spots. Columbus is just one point above New England Revolution, who are in eighth, followed by Cincy, Charlotte, Toronto, Chicago, Atlanta, and wah-wah, sad trombone. DC United Uh, really quick fifth place Orlando is on 36 points and 13th place Atlanta is on 30 points. That's how tight the East is. Six points are separating it. And as a quick reminder in MLS, if there is a tie on points, first tiebreaker is wins. Second tiebreaker is goal differential. So keep that in mind and your teams need to keep that in mind that they don't sit on their laurels and try to defend a one goal lead that they go on and try and bang a few more in if they're in these tight goal differential races, because of all those teams, we just talked about five through 13. The only team that has a positive goal differential is Columbus. Every team in the East from the fifth place to the 13, well, from the fifth to the bottom is on a negative goal differential. So Columbus is going to own most tiebreakers. If teams end up, you know, with the same amount of wins, which is very likely because there's five of them who have eight wins right now. Now, in the Western Conference, we have LAFC, who is the first team to clinch a playoff spot this season. They got the X next to their name. Uh, They have 57 points. Austin, Dallas, and Minnesota, two through four. Real Salt Lake, Nashville, and the LA Galaxy just sneaking in above the playoff line. They are the five through seven teams right now. And on the outside looking in, Vancouver, Seattle, Portland, and Colorado, are all on 34, 33, 33, and 32 points. But similar to the Eastern Conference, 5th place is 38 points. 11th place is 32 points. So you have 7 teams vying for 3 spots in the West. Meanwhile, in the East, you have 5, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11 teams vying for 3 spots over there. So with that... Now that you know where everything stands, we're going to take a look at a team who may not affect that playoff race individually, but maybe steal a few points from some of those other teams. The San Jose Quakes. San Jose has been such an enigma all season to me. I always say on the betting videos I have no confidence in my picks with the San Jose team cuz one day they'll go out and they'll lose 2 to 1 then they'll win 5 to 4 then they'll draw 3 to 3 then they'll lose one nothing like they're so inconsistent and as a result of that and hopefully as a result of the organization aspiring more than just being exciting to watch and and maybe getting into the playoff conversation they actually want to change the culture and start building towards winning teams and winning trophies or at least developing solid players and developing great MLS teams so with that let's take a look at the Quakes profile they're coming off a 2-1 victory over LAFC which is probably the marquee win for them this season they're currently at six wins 11 losses and nine draws on 27 points so barely over one point per game 1.04 points per game and if you typically want to make the playoffs you got to be up around you know point and a half or so let's go back and and take a look at these standings here right now, the playoff line is between 1.3 and 1.4 points in the East and between one and a quarter and 1.36 in the Western conference. So you want to be at least around that 1.3, 1.4 points per game when you're getting into the playoffs. San Jose also is, is you know, they're ahead of their expected goals, which is surprising, right? Considering they've, they've had such inconsistent play, they've scored 42, they've allowed 54, but they've only been expected, if you follow the models, to score 35 goals and give up 48. So not only are they exceeding their goal scored, they're exceeding their expected goals allowed. So that's that's not exactly the recipe for winning soccer. But despite all that, uh, the, they have some pieces that they can build around. And the first piece we have to talk about is Jeremy Ebobise their striker, who is currently fifth in the golden boot race with 14 goals scored and one assist. And I will point out, I know people like to to point out PKs shouldn't count. I'm not in that camp myself. You still got to step up. You still got to score it. There's still a goalie to beat, and there's still opposing mind games that they play with you. He only has one PK goal, so he's got 13 Non-penalty kick goals on the season plus one PK for a total of 14. This is a great pickup when they got him from Portland a couple seasons ago. And in an interview with MLS Extra Time this season, Ebobise even said that getting back to his natural striker position has really helped his game. Uh, that he had to have that adjustment last season with the Quakes, learning how it, players on the wing are going to send him the ball, and they got to learn how he likes to receive it. Uh, but now that he's playing not on the wing and he's actually getting into some dangerous spaces and using some of his strength and his off-the-ball movement, uh, he can find the back of the net more consistently. So that's been really good for Ebo Bisse. He's also got two goals off of headers this season, so he's a little bit better than most people think in the air. Now, what's interesting is looking at the website FBREF, uh, F-B-R-E-F uh, they do player comparisons. They're still tweaking it. It's not perfect but they do player comparisons based on your league and based on your position over the last year, 365 days, not last season, not current season, but the last 365 days and the players that he is most comparable to from a statistical standpoint. And it's not just goals, assists, expected goals, you know, key passes, like they get into touches, passing percentage, like a lot of advanced statistics, probably like 15 or 20 metrics they look at in these comparisons Jeremy Abobise actually is most compared to Raul Ruiz Diaz, Brenner, Joseph Martinez, Ronaldo Cisneros, and Javier Chicharito Hernandez. Not terrible. Not terrible. Those are the five players that compare with him the most. But the next five players, Adrian Hunu, who's not in the league anymore, Rubio Rubin, Salt Lake, Bobby Woods, Salt Lake, Robert Barrich not in the league anymore and Carl sworderski maybe a few of those names you don't want to be associated with so Jeremy's Ebobise has got a lot more to uh, to prove and a lot more to do uh with that so let's take a couple comments here because we've got some great comments coming in uh on the chat about San Jose here gbp 10 says it's a roller coaster talk NYCFC says what the hell 42 goals scored yeah they believe it or not they, they bagged 42. Um, and he also says, "Thank you for this. Penalty kicks in the modern game are so underrated." A- and you're right. Uh, just because you have a shot from 12 yards out doesn't mean it's automatic. Well put. Talk NYCFC. Uh, and like we said, there's so much that goes into it. Now you have designated penalty takers. You have goalies that are researching it. You even got goalies who are writing like tendencies of the sh- of the shooters on their water bottles so they have it. Some some teams are even bringing in goalies for as penalty kick specialists because we've seen how that can affect playoff games, right? So there's a lot more that goes into PKs than, than people think. Uh, so I like that. Real quick, wanted to say Zara Ashkanani, thank you for joining us again. Uh, our Bayern Munich fan who's just learning more and more about the league. So I'm really glad you're jumping in when we do these team profiles. Definitely go back and uh, check out some profiles of teams in the past. And uh, thank you. We're almost at 15 likes on the video. So let's Everyone hit that like button and send the link out to your friends and family as well. Let's get a little advertising going on here. So thank you, Zara, for that as well. Now to continue our talk of San Jose, not only do they have a really good striker in M.O.B. who's only making $767,000 in total compensation this season as the highest, uh, fifth highest paid player on the team. Um, I also noticed his pressing numbers are a lot. So they're definitely using him as kind of that first defender as well. So, having a good season, having a breakout season. He's got himself back into that USMNT conversation as well. I don't think so, but a lot of people want to see it happen. Outside of Ebo Bise, they have some young talent as well. They have four players under 22 on their senior roster, according to FBREF.com. And I bet there's a few more guys in their system they could bring up as well. But only two of them have gotten minutes this season Cade Cowell and Nico Tsakiris. Cade Cowell, the 18 year old attacking mid winger. Who has 23 appearances in 10 starts this season? Dude, this guy, you got to watch him. His, his goal was spectacular, taking it off the volley, putting it top shelf. Fantastic finish by K Cowell. And that's a taste of the talent that he has. He is like physically, he's a grown man at 18, and he is physically just fine in MLS and should be in some other leagues around the world. He definitely can afford to bulk up a little bit if he's going to be facing a lot of those experienced as well as bigger physical defenders, assuming he makes a move overseas, uh, which I think he will. He's too good of a talent. He's actually valued at $5.5 million on Transfer Markets website. Uh, so he's probably going to be making a move, and San Jose's probably going to be reinvesting that money uh, into their academy and into some young players. But as much as he showed he's got the talent, that he can strike and and find the back of the net, that he's physically fit, that he can run at defenders and run behind defenders and make some really good slashing runs. What he needs to work on right now is his on-the-ball dribbling technical ability as well as some of his passing. He's definitely shown flashes in in one-on-one, and he's definitely shown the ability to to put a ball in the box, especially uh, the handful assists that he has this season. Um, But he needs to really fine-tune that if if San Jose is going to be demanding you know, 10 million for him rather than the 5 million that transfer market currently values him at. We also got to mention Nikos Uh I'm assuming he's Greek, and that's not the only reason why he's getting some love right now. He he is a 17 year old midfielder with four appearances on the season. This is his first year as a pro, so there's not much to say from a scouting perspective. But keep an eye on him. He played for the US U20s that just won the Concacaf Championship this year, and transfer market has him valued at 275,000. But you give him a couple seasons, he has a good run of form in the Olympics with the U20s, U- assuming he makes the squad and he becomes a regular starter for a San Jose team that maybe is on the up. I could see that number doubling or tripling over the next season or two for him. Uh, as, as some trivia as well, his father actually played for the Rochester Rhinos for a few seasons back in USL. And the last player I want to mention, because as, as we're approaching, you know, the, the hour mark here, JT Marcinkowski, San Jose's goalkeeper, right? He has been just hung out to dry on so many occasions, and I really want to just give him some credit for sticking with it, for staying between those posts for so long. Like I've tweeted it out from the SOP account, like feeling bad for Marsonkowski this week. You know, it's it's not really on the goalkeeper when your defenders are giving up shots from inside the six or from inside the PK spot. There's only so much he can do. Um, the only problem is per FB Ref he is comparable to D.C. and Toronto's goalkeeping tandems that they've had over the years. So not guys that you want to be compared to, right? We've seen the struggles uh, that, that Bono and uh, Westberg have had for TFC, and we've also seen you know Hamid get benched in D.C., and then Romo get replaced by Ochoa. They had to go outside the organization and trade for Ochoa. So that's those are the kind of keepers he's statistically being compared with, but I think it's a little bit more of a, of a bad defense than it is his shot stopping abilities. He is above average when it comes to pulling in crosses is middle of the pack on save percentage, but he's also, if you look at his, his numbers, uh, his touches and his passing numbers, he being asked to play with his feet, probably bailing out some of that defense. So that doesn't help him focus on setting the defense on getting into good position to stop shots and you know they're probably getting counter-attack quite a bit but i expect that he'll be the starter for the next couple seasons his contract is up in 2024 as they rebuild the, the field players they need a guy like that to stick around besides he's only 25 so he can play a few more seasons and, and still have some value if they decide to move him last thing to say about san jose is their new coach they just announced this week luchi gonzalez is going to take over in january uh, after he finishes his assistant coaching tenure with the USMNT and the world cup uh, in December. Matias Almeida, they had a lot of high hopes for him. He definitely had them playing exciting, like watchable, maybe not watchable, but you wanted to tune in and see what was going on with San Jose over the last four seasons or so, but they bring in Luchi Gonzalez. If you don't know MLS, MLS, Get to know Lucci Gonzalez because you're going to hear his name a lot in the future. He was Dallas's academy director from 2012 to 2018. So a lot of those young players who got sold to Europe, he helped recruit and develop. He was the manager for Dallas, the head coach from 2018 to 2021, but wasn't getting the results that ownership wanted. So they said, thank you, no, thank you. Uh, and then he got picked up by burhalter and has been an assistant since 2021. Like I said, when the World Cup's over, he'll take over starting in January. So you're going to see a huge difference in style. Almeida's man-marking defense is out. And from what the guys in and the MLS have been saying is that they're already trying to implement some of Lucci's style with uh, a lot of that possession and, and stringing together passes in the final third in the dangerous areas. As we saw these goals, that Cade Cal goal in this last goal is the specific example of it, right? Get into an area around kind of the outskirts of the box and then play cutback balls or little chips over uh, some of the near post defenders and let your strikers run onto it. Let those second runners coming in late from the midfield run onto it. Um, So let's look for the quakes to adjust their tactics to play like that. But really this move is going to be developing the san jose academy establishing a pipeline through mls next and mls next pro bringing in local talent because we know california's got tons of soccer talent and allowing that to filter into the senior club as well as selling it off and bringing in some money back into the organization i hope that lucci really does well as a head coach and can win something but i don't see san jose winning anything in the next three or four years or so and honestly I'm worried he might get pigeonholed as kind of that, like, development guy. Like, clubs like a San Jose are going to bring him in, or maybe some new expansion clubs are going to bring him in and help them set up the academy, set them, help up their youth system, uh, help them get established in an identity and how to play the latest, greatest kind of style, and then dismiss him, you know, three, four years in his tenure. I hope that's not his his kind of fate. I hope he doesn't get pigeonholed into that. But I don't know if he can win, right? He hasn't proven that yet as a head coach. Dallas didn't want to wait it out and see if he could. Um, So that's my worry, and that's my thought on Luchi Gonzalez as the head coach of San Jose. Going forward, though, they're seven points off the line. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this season. I really doubt it. They're too inconsistent, too many teams ahead of them to jump. But the goal, like I said, organize evaluate players and figure out who's your core that you're going to build around for the next three, four seasons, who you're going to bring up and develop into Academy MLS next pro guys. Tommy Thompson could be one of those. Jeremy Ebobise is definitely one of those guys. Then let's let Lucha come in and work his magic and see what San Jose does. And they can reevaluate in a few more seasons. So let's take a few more comments here and then we can go ahead and maybe take a couple of general questions from the chat. I, I love that, uh, E Super one says that entire team is pigeonholed as a bottom dweller for life. Oh, that's tough to hear if you're a Quakes fan, especially looking at those two stars above their patch from when they won those two titles back in the day. But he does say they need new ownership. And we'll see if Lucci comes in and he's shown the door in a couple seasons and that kind of building project falls flat on their face. Uh then, yeah, they definitely need new ownership. Now, maybe ownership had a wake-up call. Uh, I'm not in with San Jose in, in any sort of way, so we'll see if, if you guys know any insight about San Jose's ownership, and maybe they are having a change of heart or maybe a change of wallet, if that's the case. Uh, we'll, we'll see if anything does change. Brother BKL says San Jose needs a new front office if they're going to rebuild this team. And I'm hoping Gonzalez has uh, that kind of influence and pull, that he can say, look, man, I've been around – the league. I have been with the U S national team. I know it works. Listen to me. I'll give you a new Academy in a year or two. You give me a contract extension and some players in year three, and then we'll make a run at it. So that's what I'm hoping. Talk NYCFC says San Jose will only get to the playoffs as a seventh seed in the next few years. So it's hard at this point to argue against that point, but we'll see if Lucci can work any sort of any sort of magic with them we'll see we'll see they've got some talent we, we've talked about their roster it's just a matter of how they're going to build around it now um we had brother bkl earlier saying congrats to lafc as the first team to reach the playoffs in mls and talk nycfc responds right away we don't congratulate and M- lafc i love it i love the east-west rivalry there from anybody uh so with that i want to thank everyone who's jumped into the chat we got to see some great new names. E Super gbp 10 I haven't had a chance to talk with you, so it's great to have you here. Some of the some of our just regular guys and supporters. Thank you, Talk NYCFC brother BKL, Hani Mukhtar edits, Hani Mukhtar Stan, formerly, <laughs> um, Red Bull Insider. Uh, great to have Ghetto Crypto jump on. JJ Jardim, thanks for being with us earlier. Mia Mendez, Connor No Soccer, everyone else. Dan Geringer, uh, Bernardo Labrada. Thank you all. For joining us tonight live with your comments, with your questions, for a lively, lively chat, and you know what? If you guys think of anything later, come on back after the video has been uh archived here as, as an actual video. Leave some, leave some actual comments in the comment section, and we'll, and we'll continue the conversation about San Jose, about the weekly results, about LAFC as a team. We don't want to congratulate, but is on pace to be the best team in regular season history, you know, take that for whatever it's worth, you know, eight, nine games left in the season. Um, but thank you to everyone. If you want to continue to support the show and not just, you know, enjoy the conversation with everyone, leave a super chat during these live visits. Uh, you can also leave a super thanks once the video uh, has been recorded and posted. Uh, we appreciate the financial support. We put it right back into the show it's not going into my pocket. It's not going into my, my kids' soccer cleats. Uh, that, that's something I'm working for. Uh, but we, we reinvest it, and we've just, we're have just we building a new website right now. Uh, we're looking to do some writing, get some new graphics as we approach the World Cup and expand our coverage into the World Cup, as well as maybe in the League of MX, some more Canadian Premier League stuff. So uh, make sure to support the show. If you want to do it on a sponsorship level, our DMs are open on Twitter at SOPSoccer as well as via email podcast at com or uh, soccer at gmail.com. So we appreciate your support with the likes, the subscriptions, the joining the channel. You can even join as a subscriber to the channel for a few bucks every month uh, and get some private chat with Mike if you like what he has to say and who doesn't. I love it. That's why we do the show together. Or, uh, again, the chat, the liking, the subscribing, the following on the Twitter, the sharing the links, the drive driving the algorithms to get us more attention here. Like since I've been back running running the weekly recaps over the last three months or so, we've picked up another, you know, 100 150 subscribers. So you guys are doing it. You guys are driving the growth of soccer here through conversation. We love to see it. We even got Mounty jumping on CF Montreal on top. Ale, ale, ale yes. Love the energy. You know what? I was dragging before, but because of you guys, I'm just feeling the energy. I'm feeling rejuvenated. I'm probably going to go log in and get like another hour of work done. Maybe I'll clean the house. Who knows? Uh, but I, I thank you all from the bottom of my little soccer heart here. You guys have been great. We'll be back on Wednesday with our picks and predictions video and then another live chat next Monday, recapping all things this upcoming weekend. So thank you. Thank you all for watching. Thank you to Skira Icelandic Spring Water and John Donovan, our biggest supporters and sponsors of the show. We appreciate all you do for us. Everyone, enjoy the week. Hey, SOP fans, I wanted to quickly continue my uh, post-credit series here, you know, took a little page out of the Marvel Avengers movies, saved one little tidbit for the post-credit scene here, wanted to show off, I'm still on, on jersey mode here, wanted to show off dude. you this, this awesome throwback jersey, uh, the blue screen might be getting to it on the video, but here we go, Hellenic College, circa 1982, 83 maybe? uh got got the little cannon going on over here I don't even know what manufacturer that is let me see what the uh let's see Peter Green Limited Westchester, Pennsylvania like I don't even know if that company's still in business anyone want to Google it and shoot me a message so we got Hellenic College which is uh the the college that feeds into the Greek Orthodox Seminary out in Brookline Massachusetts uh and check this collar out on these things man like wide v-neck crazy collar Love it. Got the number six, the long sleeve jersey. Um, This is not only is this just an incredible throwback jersey from some lower division college team. uh, It's very important. It's my dad's jersey. Uh, It's something that he handed down to me a long time ago when I was really getting into the sport and into the game. And so shout out to my dad, uh, Ted Pateras, playing soccer, representing uh, Proviso High School here in uh, in the Chicago suburbs, then went on to play for Triton College, and then Hellenic College, where he finished up his degree. So shout out to my dad and a little bit of American soccer history. As we know, soccer was really started in this country by the immigrants, and uh, the Greeks were definitely among them. So he kept that going, and I'm trying to do my part here. So everyone, thanks again. Happy to share that with you all, and enjoy the rest of your week.